You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This Is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host. Back with another episode up in Tulsa today. Uh, talk about a lot of things. Uh, haven't been to Tulsa in a while, so glad to come up here and share some some of Tulsa's stories. Uh, Dr. Robert Zollner was on the podcast today uh, to tell you all about, I guess, where he started, what he does, all the other multiple businesses that he's in. But uh, Dr. Zollner, thanks so much for welcoming me into the house. Um, beautiful home office you have. I've been looking around here. There's, you've got some heads mounted on the wall. We've just been talking about castles and traveling Europe. We've got the fish tank behind us, uh, which some of you might, may hear in the podcast. Uh, there's a lot of stories. I'm sure we won't get to everything today because of the friends that we have, mutual friends of, uh, have spoken about you. They said that you do a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll get to a little bit of that. But I guess, I guess when people... When people ask you, I guess, you know, who you are, what do you do? What's your usual response? Uh, I tell them I'm an entrepreneur trapped in an optometrist body. Uh, I grew up here in Tulsa, large family, not a lot of money. I started working when I was 13. I used to work at a Mexican restaurant. My first job was a daytime dishwasher. I'd get on my skateboard and ride up there in the summertime. And uh, I was, uh, I, I prided myself in being a good dishwasher. And then um, I remember I made $1.80 an hour. And my manager called me into his office and said, Robert, you're doing so good. I'm going to give you 10 cent raise. I was so happy. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I thanked him so much. He goes, okay, okay, okay. I'll give you $2. I'll get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to a busboy. So anyway, you start there and I've just been working all my life. And, and like, like they say, the harder I work, the luckier I get, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's kind of led to, uh, uh, me being an entrepreneur, as I said, has led to me to, you know, doing a lot of different things. And I'm sure we're going to try yeah, to get, yeah, yeah. get to some of those on the podcast today. So no doubt. So starting out then you're born and raised in Tulsa. You said big family as well. Yeah, I was born here but I was okay. raised here okay. we moved here when I was three or four somewhere in there um, but I was actually born in Dallas and then we kind of moved moved up to I-44 and ended up here right. um, well yeah big family I'm the second of seven six boys and one girl mm-hmm. um, and most of us are still in Tulsa yeah. one's in California one's in New York but the other there's five boys that are here in Tulsa okay so where's the family name come from the heritage of the family name uh, Zellner is a German name and it actually if you you know like a lot of names old Europe names that actually designated what you did right. and and I looked it up in a, in a Zulna as I call them of course we pronounce it Zellner like yeah. those not there uh, was actually a tax collector outside of cities and so you bring in your goods to sell yeah. in the city and they'd look through your through your cart your buggy and they would tax you uh, as you went in so yeah. I come from a long line of tax collectors I guess you could say <laughs> so some some people might say that not not the very popular people right but back in the day people collected oh, yeah, taxes abso- absolutely yeah I think yeah, we've changed yeah. that narrative a little bit hopefully 100 percent no yeah. doubt so growing up then obviously you go from from washing dishes and in a little bit more money um were you an entrepreneur at heart from a young age uh, absolutely yeah we um i gotta tell a story on myself there was the time when jerry lewis would do these telethons mm-hmm. 
And you know, the telethons were all about raising money for multiple um, uh, dystrophy. Mm-hmm. And he would say, hey, all you young kids out there, we can send you ideas of how you can raise money and send to the Jerry Lewis telethon. Mm-hmm. And so we're listening, you know, and he said, and one of these ideas is you can do a little carnival at your house and you can do X, Y, Z. Uh, and boy, that just went right to my head. I thought, hmm. So I did a, we did a carnival at yeah. our house. We didn't get their package from, from them, but we just set up little rides, wagon rides. And um, I have to admit, we had, a, we had an old rabbit hutch in the backyard. We were kind of animals, mm-hmm. animal kind of, kind of guys. And I, I had a cat in there, and I would charge kids 10 cents to look at this wild cat. Can't make the story up. <laughs> so this young boy from a couple of streets down, he's in my backyard and pays his 10 cents. And I lean on him, step up here and look at this wild cat, you know. And the cat was just trying to get out of the cage. I mean, the cat <laughs> <laughs> Just someone's domesticated, you know, cat, and and so you know it's about the kid trying to you know, just wants out, and the kid looks at it and goes, hey. Hey, wait a second. That looks a lot. Because <laughs> that looks a lot like my cat. <laughs> I just found a cat and put it in the cage. Yeah. I'm like, no, it can't be. Step back. It's a wild cat. <laughs> anyway, when the fair was over, I let it out. It ran yeah. home, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, we did that, and I, I have to admit that we felt like we were needy also. So we we chose our our purpose or our mm-hmm. destiny as far instead of sending it to Jerry Lewis, we, we kept, we kept the proceeds. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but anyway, so that entrepreneur spirit was there, you know, from the get go. And yeah. it was always, whenever I would look at, I was kind of funny. Whenever I look at a commercial, I would think to myself, does that make me want to buy that? Even though I may not be in the market for that, what, you what try to take something good out of that. Sometimes a commercial is so bad. You look at it and you go, why did they do that? I mean, right. it almost makes me not want to call them. Did I have any sense of urgency to, yeah. to act on that commercial or whenever I'd see a billboard or anything, you know, I was just always kind of a curious minded. I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, if you're an entrepreneur, you better be curious. Um, yeah. cause I think curiosity is one of the things that helps, you know, helps build your ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if we get stale, right, and we get we get stuck in our ways, or we get comfortable, it's the worst thing for an entrepreneur. Because everyone, other entrepreneurs, thinking their minds are going and they're passing us. Right, um, right. I'm the same way. I, exactly. Too many ideas to count, but he's trying to find the time to just do some of them and the, that you enjoy as well. So absolutely, that's a big that's a big factor. You've got yeah, to enjoy it. Definitely. So so you all these entrepreneurial ideas are coming as a kid. Then um, where where are you going to school? Are you, and are, what do you like in school? Are you are you a big into education? Does family push education? Education, or are you just like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, our family pushed education quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I I was kind of a unique, and I was um, I loved drama. I loved I was kind of a thespian growing up, mm-hmm. and and all the things being told. Someone said, hey, you could do anything in this world and be guaranteed success. I might have been a stand-up comedian, or I might have been an actor of some kind, you know. Yeah. But that's that's a tough gig. I mean, there's a lot of great and funny people and really good actors that are waiting tables in New York and L.A. and yeah. you know. And I thought there's no way. So when I transitioned. From from high school, which I loved academics and I, uh, math was kind of my jam, but mm-hmm. sciences and hard sciences, uh, I thought I'm going to be, what's a profession I can go into that can almost guarantee some success? Right. And I never knew a broke doctor. I mean, that was, you know, that was kind of the guaranteed deal, you know, if you were a doctor in my mind at that time. So I thought, okay, uh, I'll be a doctor. And then, then the question went into, well, what kind of doctor? Mm-hmm. And I thought an optometrist is that perfect blend of, you know, some business because you're selling glasses and contact lenses uh, versus doctoring. You're actually seeing people. And then when I was young, I was myopic. I was nearsighted. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 10, I got my first pair of glasses. I remember the magic of that. It was just like, wow, there's leaves on trees. That's, 
wow, I can actually see that now. I mean, it was pretty dramatic. I thought, what a great thing. What a, you know, to spend your day having that all day long. Wow, I can see. Thank right. you. You know, so I thought that's, that's my, that's my jam. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Northeastern State University here, which has our optometry school in the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and got my undergraduate degree in mathematics and some binders and this and that, and then went through optometry school uh, yeah. and voila. And voila. And then, and then you came back to, were you living, obviously you're studying, you're living away, mm-hmm. and then you come back to Tulsa and think, because you could have gone anywhere with an optometry, right. you know, the, the schooling and the degree yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. I looked at a few places around the country. I kind of, you know, everybody kind of thinks, you know, the ocean, you know, the ocean's right. pool, right? Yeah. So I looked at a few places on the coast, and then I, it, when it all boiled down to it, I thought, you know, Tulsa's home. Mm-hmm. And Tulsa's a great city. You know, it's a big little city or a little big city, however you want to look at it. Great place to raise a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that, according to Forbes, it's one of the best places for entrepreneurs to start a business. You know, there's a lot of companies that actually do their restaurant testing here. Mm-hmm. They'll open up a, a restaurant in Tulsa to see how it does before they okay. take it nationwide. And so there's Tulsa is a great spot for entrepreneurs. Got you. So so then, like I said, you you've, you found your passion, you found your journey, and like you've always kind of wanted to be successful. And like I said, you never saw a broke doctor, which is fairly true. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone. That play, most of my golfing buddies that are doctors do very well for themselves, and they play a lot of golf too, which is kind of yeah. you know, they, they they do well. So, um, but you're right. You've got to put yourself through that. You know what is it? 10 or what, what is it for an optometry school I know it's 10 years for just general well it's 4 stuff, years of undergraduate okay. and then 4 years of optometry so 8 so, years yeah, yeah. Eight years. or you could do the undergraduate maybe you know if you did some summers maybe a little less you okay. know because you just really need the prerequisites to get in gotcha. so it's 4 years and once you get out you don't have to do any internships uh-huh. I mean you can do some but yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know yeah 7 to 8 years but 8 years is what I did so so when you get your your qualifications do you think I'm going to open up my own business or do you go and work for somebody you know at first I was working for somebody I was going to buy somebody and so I went in and we had a contract and, and then I couldn't I thought oh this will be easy right so I put on my my one tie that I owned I had my <laughs> Samsonite hard briefcase yeah. and I put on a, the nicest clothes that I had and I shredded into the bank and yeah how you doing how you doing right uh, I need uh, I need a loan I'm a yeah. I'm a new doctor in town. What well, kind of a do- doctor? Right. I'm, kind of, I'm yeah. a new doctor. I have a doctor in front of my yeah, name. I, exactly. Doctor, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Oh, uh, doctor, you know, Dr. Zellner, come on in here. Let's, let's talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need a loan. I'm going to buy this practice. Oh, okay. Well, what, um, you know, what, uh, how much money do you have? Oh, I don't have any money. That's why Wait, I'm here. Do you have any equity <laughs> in anything? Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, I got run out. I mean, chased out. Security yeah, threw yeah. me out of so many banks. And finally, I was kind of like, okay, this, this, is, this, is, this isn't working out so well. Right. I might have to go get a job mm-hmm. and earn some money and save some money yeah. and then do that. So some, sometimes, you know, what you want to do, you can't do. And you can't be discouraged by that. Right. You just have to figure out a path to get there. Right. So my path was, and like I tell a lot of young men and women that mm-hmm. approach me and want to know about entrepreneurship and how to do something, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to actually get a job work for somebody and then live below your means and save some money, get a war chest. And then you can go leverage that into what you, you know, is ultimately going to be your next step. Yeah. And work that five to 9 PM job, right. On your, on your own business rather than the eight to five you do making a living and getting insurance and everything else. Maybe get two jobs. I was working seven days a week when I got out. Yeah. Um, And someone said, why? And I go, cause I can, this is great. Yeah. I'm doing what I enjoy. People are paying me money. And so, you know, I've, I worked cause some, there was some of the mall locations were open on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And so I would work those. And then, you know, I'd 
worked seven days, as I, as I said, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I loved it. I did that probably the first two years out of school. Yeah. Um, I mean, my kids were young. They don't remember me not being there at that age, you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I worked and I, a lot of people are like, oh man, I, you know, I know some of these guys that are like, I want to be successful like you. And I go, well, what are you doing right now? And they go, well, I'm working four and a half days a week, my practice, and I'm off uh, half a day on Friday. Go to the lake. No weekends. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I don't even work on Fridays. I just try to pack it all into Monday and Thursday, Monday through Thursday. Yeah. And I'm like, are you happy? And they go, yeah, I'm happy. And I go, well, then good. Then you keep doing that because I don't want to, I don't want to tell you what makes you happy. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to aunt Connie them. I had an aunt Connie that one day sat me aside and said, Robert, you're so, I had such big dreams for you. You know, you were so smart. I just knew you were going to be a surgeon or a you know, brain surgeon or a heart surgeon or, you know, a real doctor and really make a difference out there in the world. <laughs> a real doctor. And you, you just went and became an optometrist. And I'm just so disappointed, you know. And I said, well, Aunt Connie, I, we all are entitled to our own opinion. Yeah. But I want you to know that I'm very happy with my decision. I'm very content and that I help people you know, see better and I bring value to this industry. And, and I think I'm making a difference in the way that I'm enjoying making a difference. Um, and I'm not uh, ashamed of what I do, or I'm not disappointed that I didn't do something else. And I don't have emergency calls and I don't have someone's life laying in my hands every day, all day. And the stress of that, and I'm very content and happy. So you do you, I'll do me. So anyway, I tell people, don't let Aunt Connie. great conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know, she just looked really, she just was uh, kind of cocked her head. She was yeah. kind of wanting a little bit more of a, you know, and I was just like, hey, no big deal. No you're, big you're, deal. Yeah, you yeah. have your opinion. Yeah. yeah. Th- thank okay. you for your input. I'm yeah. going to go back to my yeah. job now. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a, I'm a real doctor. <laughs> that real doctor comment must have got you. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like you said, you, you're working hard. You know, you have a young family. So go back to the family. How, how many kids do you have and, and where do you meet your wife? At three, uh, mm-hmm. I met her at a, um, um, this is probably one of those things on the podcast that, yeah. you know, is, is, is a little touchy. I, I had a, I divorced my first wife. Mm-hmm. Now I'm married to my second wife. Okay. So I felt kind of like the Brady Bunch. I had three yeah. kids. She has three kids gotcha. and now we're the Brady Bunch, you know, that makes sense. and, yeah. and it's, a, it's awesome. And, you know, I was married for over 30 years mm-hmm. and I wanted to raise my own kids. I raised my own kids. I didn't want someone else to raise my kids. Yeah. My oldest two are actually optometrists in my practice with me. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I've got eight doctors that, that work you yeah, know, with yeah, me yeah, yeah. and, and two them are my kids and um, the youngest one I do business with we'll go talk about that here in a bit so yeah. I work with all three of them we're all That's tied together we're all very close Yeah, and then my new wife has three daughters and very close with them. The gotcha. oldest is married and two still live here at the house. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. But the, my first wife, I met at a summer camp. We were camp counselors. Uh-huh. And then my second wife, we actually met a mutual friend, put us together. Okay. So you two be perfect for each yeah. other. And we, we were both going through lengthy divorces. Sure. And so about we were about done with them and we met. And Timing's everything, right? Timing's everything. Yeah, so, yeah. That's yeah. special though that you work with, like with, you have that relationship with your kids, right? And you yeah. work with your kids and, and, and that's like, you know, what you mentioned earlier, you went around much as they were super young because you were building, right? As an entrepreneur, you're business building, you're working as much as you can, getting as much experience while you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, and sacrificing those, those early years with and relationships and experiences with the kids to mm-hmm. have, to give you a leg up to camp what you have now, which is really cool. And then like to come fast forward, you, you know, the kids clearly followed in your footsteps and wanted to become part of the business and enjoyed and saw the passion yeah. that you had and how much fun you were having. 
you know, because mm-hmm. we, we all know people whose family businesses and the kids are kind of like reluctant to get into the family business because they see that dad might not be around very often or he's always yeah. working. Or, I mean, the farming business is, is yeah. a key example, right? Because right. they don't stop. Yeah. Um, but that's really cool for you to have your kids involved in, in the business and, 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 and other, it seems like other businesses as well. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. special. Yeah. It, when I, so I started working for other, other mm-hmm. and I started, I worked for a, an uh, optical chain company mm-hmm. called iMart Express. And after a few years, I became the president of the company, moved down to Dallas, mm-hmm. and my kids were young, and I traveled around the country opening up stores. I opened up 24 stores in about a year, mm-hmm. what it was a year, um, and I was gone two or three days a week. And so when I, when I came back to Tulsa to do my own thing, yeah. um, it was the only job I've ever been fired from. Interesting. That's a whole nother, that's a whole podcast in itself. So <laughs> people, whenever I do, when I do lectures and talks, everybody, yeah. oh, that's the first question. Why'd you get Why'd fired? You get by? <laughs> everybody wants to know the, the dirt, right? Yeah. Um, I, I tell you, the short answer is this, is that, you know, I was 30 years old. I come into this company and the, the guy that was the president had passed away at a young age. Sad story. Great guy, Rick Samuelson. R.I.P. And uh, so I came in and I said, it's kind of like the guy that marries the lady that has the teenage kids. Yeah. And when you're in the living room, every, you're watching a movie, everybody's happy, everybody's laughing and giggling. And then when the mom leaves the room to go get the popcorn or the cold beverages, the kids all turn to the new dad, i.e. me, and go, we hate you. We're going to kill you. Don't touch our mother. Leave. And then when she walks back in the room, oh, happy oh, families. oh hey. Yeah you know rainbows and sunshine right. and unicorns you know yeah. so um so it was a little bit like that that's the, that's the short gotcha. the short version but then when i came back to tulsa and was doing my own thing actually competing against them which is a cool story yeah. but um I, I decided you know what in oklahoma you can have two offices and beyond that you're treated like a commercial entity in other words mm. you have a door for the optical and a door for the doctor you've seen it okay. like lens crafters yeah. and yeah. whatnot you've been around and seen that and so mine's all opened up mm. and i have a benefit with that i can package up my deals and that's always been kind of one of my marketing tools that i've done yeah so i didn't want to go beyond two stores uh and so i thought to myself well then way i can do more is travel around and do it but here again time with my kids the last year yeah. the year before it kind of shown me that so i kind of sacrificed that and then i thought well i want to increase my tent i want to i want to do more and then that's when i started i thought i'm really an entrepreneur so that's when i started my journey of other businesses businesses. okay so it's it's because of that two store that was that part of it that was part of it yeah yeah but then also too tulsa the size that it is really two stores two offices is really enough for there but you know i could have done maybe some in oklahoma city maybe some in Lawton. i mean i probably could have done more in oklahoma but to really grow it i would have gone like i did with imart gone out of state and around you know kansas missouri texas all around you know so then you think to yourself what are my other interests what businesses can i get into and you've got you know built up a great friend base mutual friends or business clients or whatever it is and they're you know when the great thing is that when you're successful and people know you have money they come to you with opportunities regardless of how bad those opportunities are it's funny because when before shark tank came on that show Mm -hmm. i didn't know what to say i was just like oh i'm always getting pitched ideas and sometimes i go that's a good idea i will do that Mm -hmm. and so now that shark tank's on i can just say I get shark tanked a lot. Yeah, yeah, I get shark tanked a lot. Well, you know what I mean? So everybody wants, you know, to run their idea by, you know, they either want you to coach them up on it, Mm -hmm. give them money for it, you know, they're, you know, but, and sometimes it's a, it's a good idea. That's how I got into a couple of my businesses that I do. Uh So uh, tell me about what was that first business idea that you think, you know, I'm going to get into that and, and is it still around? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, an auto auction. Okay. 
you might say an auto auction. What? How in the totally world? Totally different from glasses, right? I'm totally different, you know. <laughs> yeah. one, of the, one of the things I'm a big proponent on when I talk to entrepreneurs or business owners is advertising. Mm-hmm. It's it's the you know it's the um, in a car, you know, it's your it's your gas pedal, right? right. You want to go faster. You know, you can sit there in a brand new car and go, why am I not going anywhere? You got well, you got to turn it on and push the gas pedal. You know, well, I can't afford gas. Like shit about the car or you said that should have been part of your budget of buying the car right so anyway um i advertised a lot and a lot of the the companies if they said hey if you spend this much with me we'll take you on this fabulous trip it was kind of the junket trips you know and so i'd be like heck yeah i want to go to germany heck yeah argentina sounds awesome Mm -hmm. you know hawaii why not let's go so there's all these fabulous trips and i would go with about 25 other business people and their significant others about 50 of us on the trips would go and these and you know car guys yeah dealers advertise a lot right yeah i mean they're like every you know can't turn on tv without seeing a car ad every billboard or wherever it is Uh, right every opportunity right and so about half the guys on the trip would be car guys well you vacation with people you're not talking business you're not talking you're just relaxed and you're sitting around a pool in hawaii having a you know drink with a little umbrella in it talking about who are you what do you do and you know life and so i got to be friends with these guys Mm -hmm. and then on one trip so so some of the trips weren't like real Real fabulous. So they would send some of their workers. In other words, they have a comp test. And then maybe whoever sold the most cars, that kind of thing, they'd send them out. And on one trip, I remember I was talking to a guy and said, hey, man, I got all these great relationships. I wonder if there's any way I could do a business to, you know, and and have that. I've got a lot of currency, you know, with these car guys. And uh, there was a couple of ideas, you know, in the car industry. And he goes, you know, really an auto auction would be. And I go, what's that? Yeah. Well, next thing you know, I own an auto auction and I make the calls, you know, to the guys whose names are on the building yeah. and they take my calls and they say, okay, we're going to try you, but you better perform. Right. Yeah, everybody always wants yeah, to you're think, sell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody always says, oh, it's nothing personal. Yeah. It's just it's business. It's just business. Yeah. yeah. You're like, the guy, nothing personal. It's just, it's just business. Just business. Yeah. It's not. It's all personal. You know, forget that. Right. The personal, it's not all personal. I mean, it's both. But, but that, yeah. that plays a part. I mean, I got oh, the exactly. golden look yeah. and the golden look is all you can ask for in business and that's the opportunity to try me to right. try me so they'd send some cars and then it's up to us to make sure we have the buyers there to bid on them to buy them and sure enough we just grew that rascal gotcha. up it's, it's now called z66 auto auction okay. and they say most weeks we're the largest in oklahoma and maybe yeah. in four state regions so we we've really grown quite a bit that's um, awesome and it's it's a fabulous business model, and it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, we have like seven cars being sold at the same time, right? And it is electric in there. And it took me about six months before I could actually understand what they're saying. You know, sold. You'd be like, what just happened? What did I just buy? Yeah, what did I keep your hand down, Robert? Would you, you know? So it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Still is a lot of fun. And we get a lot of cool cars. And there's a lot of interesting people. Those are all, you know, all car dealers are and interesting group of men uh good guys hard workers and you know all kind of entrepreneurs in mind yeah, yeah. and uh, they just you know they, they customer service you know, they just want to be taken care of I and mean, we don't own any of the cars we charge a little bit to the buyer we charge a little bit to the seller and then we do all the paperwork in between and so 
it looks kind of like a tag agency when you walk in the office part of gotcha. it. Um, and then we have a big garage of seven lanes selling, selling yeah. seven cars. And we'll sell whatever. You know, we, the last Friday of every month, we do a specialty sale. We'll sell motorcycles and RVs okay. and boats and, you know, utility vehicles. I mean, yeah. you bring it, we'll sell it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's just kind of evolved as its business has grown from that one, like I said, that idea. Yeah. And now you're like, yeah, well, ex- exactly. You know, so you just kind of went with model it. model and it works. And yeah. Why not? Let's do yeah, it. Why not? Yeah. It's not rocket science. Right. Yeah. So you know we we have big competition, but it's all, it breaks down to it breaks down to relationships, mm-hmm. and you know there's four areas that you get the cars, and one of them is that dealer trade in, and so having the relationship with those dealers mm-hmm. from way back when, um, and and keeping them up and being friends with them really, yeah, mm-hmm. and being able to you know, if there is a problem, you know it's if when things go great in a business, it's. It's no big deal. Yeah. It's how you handle the problems, how you handle the deal that went wrong. And and to make sure you have that love bucket filled up a little bit, mm-hmm. that favor bucket, so that you can call up and say, oopsie. Yeah. You know, but 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 we're, we're, we're gonna do what we can. Right. You know. Um those are dealing with dealing with uh, heat, as we call it in uh-huh. the industry, is is you know always always an issue because yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems like someone's always mad. Someone's buying or selling, and someone's someone got right. Anyway, no, someone's yeah, upside down. Someone's going to be upset, right? right? When you it deal with like that, that many people, <laughs> someone is going to be upset. Yeah, yeah. And you got a thousand guys and they're you know buying cars, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a couple hundred selling them. I mean, it's uh, but it's it's good. I've got a great general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the things, too, I want to also give advice to for entrepreneurs out there. If you've got a great general manager, uh, you know, you might let them do some sweat equity, mm-hmm. uh, some golden handcuffs to keep them in. Give them a little piece of the business, in other words, because yeah. then they feel the ownership. Uh, one of my businesses, I had one of my brothers running it mm-hmm. and I he worked up and then he ended up owning 10 percent of the business. Yeah. And uh, I said, how does that feel, Philip? And he goes, man, it's awesome. But I'm I'm making some changes. I go, excuse me. He goes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll go over that business second, but I call on doctors, and I was taking in lunches that were a hundred dollars, yeah. really nice lunches. Go to I don't know where I, wherever he was going right. to, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that, you know. And he goes, you know what, fifty dollars worth of pizza is going to get the same thing done, you know. And I go, well, why are you changing? He goes, well, out of that hundred dollars, ten dollars is mine. <laughs> <laughs> All this time, all you know, this it's, time like, it's so my easy. Money. <laughs> it's so easy to spend my money. It's so yeah. easy to spend somebody else's money, you know. Definitely. But when they get it towards their money, right. so that's a that's that's a move. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when I introduced Monty, my general manager, I, I introduced him as my partner, you know. Yeah. And so um, great guy, and he he runs that. And one of the things I you know. Yeah. I don't have to worry about so for sure yeah uh, th- I mean that's transition perfectly then into that business that you have with your brother it sounds like yeah they're, they're sleep yeah they're sleep centers okay. and and uh, diagnostic sleep centers mm-hmm. and DME companies a DME is a durable medical equipment company okay so I had a buddy of mine who actually I used to make radio commercials with he yeah. moves to Dallas and he gets gathered up by this this group that are, they want to do have him run their sleep centers. Mm-hmm. And they said, we need to expand this. We're doing so well. We want to go to Tulsa. Do you know anybody in Tulsa? He goes, I know the guy in Tulsa. So he calls me up, comes into Tulsa. We do dinner. He pitches this deal to me and says, hey, man, let's, you know, let's combine and do these sleep centers. So I went down to Dallas. I checked him out. I kind of went through all my due diligence. And so I decided to do it. Okay. So we opened up Dr. Z's sleep center. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. And um, so people will come in when you need at least six hours of sleep. We put 24 electrodes on them. Gotcha. Uh, and then we do a sleep study. Most of the people have, if they're having problems, it's sleep apnea. Some mm-hmm. can be restless legs. Some can be, there's a number of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, so once we did that, then we started opening up sleep centers. And we got up to about, oh, six different sleep centers around Northeast Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then um, we had some changes in healthcare. Um, they called it Obamacare. That's not the official name, but it's kind but, of the name. Yeah. And it really kind of neutered that business some. And so we said, well, we're not making as much money. And then we thought, well, we're seeing all these people. And then we're sitting to go get a CPAP machine. Right. Why don't we start getting the CPAP business? You know, that's another thing that I, I advise people. Vertically integrate. Yeah. You know, you've already got the people captured up here. Mm-hmm. We can't force them to go to our DME company. We can sure offer that as a suggestion. And, yeah. of course, a lot of them do because they've got to know us and trust us. Mm-hmm. So then we opened up um, A to Z Medical. Uh, and a couple other DME companies. I actually bought a couple because it's hard sometimes to get into insurance networks. Okay. And so if this company, company B, yeah. it already has an insurance contract with Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and you want to contract the Blue Cross and Blue yeah. Shield, and you buy that company, and then Makes you're sense. already, you know, grandfathered yeah, into having in. it, right? Yeah. So yeah. we have a A to Z Medical, Doctor Z Sleep Center, and. And they're, we contract out, we have some of our own freestanding, so, you know, that's, uh, and then my brother Philip runs what I call the old sleep umbrella. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's not just it, though, is there? There's more. Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's yeah. more. Yeah, there's more. My, the, real, the real passion, the thing that I kind of enjoy the most, someone said, well, what, if you just go spend the day doing one of your businesses, what yeah. would it be? It'd be the, I have a thoroughbred uh, horse industry or horse business. Okay. So I have a ranch just outside of Tulsa. It's called the Rock and Z Ranch. Yeah. And I breed and race thoroughbreds. Nice. Uh, I've raced, uh, um, I've raised and raised a couple of champions yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and it's just a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the question I get asked the most is, have you, have you been to Derby yet? No, but I've been close with two horses. Okay. Z Rockstar and Rowdy the Warrior were almost there. So close. So close to making it into the Kentucky Derby. But I've won some big races around the country. Um, I've got a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, and then buy, sell horses. And then I really, my passion is, is, is to run them. And I love, um, yeah, yeah. The horse racing. I, I love the idea. Um, when I was a little boy, I had a, a bucket list mm-hmm. in my mind of things that I wanted to do, right? Yeah. And I was a big fan of the show The Bonanza and Gunsmoke yeah. and Lone Ranger, and they all kind of dealt with horses and horse ranches, right? And that kind of right. setting. And I, uh, I thought to myself, man, when I make it one of these days, I'm going to get a horse ranch. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, mm, yeah. it's just that, that means I made it in my mind back then. As like a that boy. new Yellowstone TV show, right? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. For sure. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, um, w- at one point I thought, well, hey, nah, now I can do that dream. I can right. get my horse ranch. I can get some horses. And I thought, well, what kind of horses am I going to get? I can get, you know, Clydesdales. I can get little ponies. I can get, yeah. you know, Arabians. I mean, I can get whatever. And I thought, whoa, whoa, thoroughbreds. Because see, thoroughbreds give me the opportunity to do what every man wants. And that is somebody else to pay for your hobby. Right. Yes. 100%. <laughs> I had one of my doctors that was always doing these bass fishing tournaments. He uh-huh. goes, hey, you sponsor me? And I go, sponsor you? To he go goes, fish? No way. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll put your name on my boat. I'll put your yeah. name on my shirt. Everybody will see it. And I'm like, yeah, everybody's going to see it. Okay. Of yeah. course, I sponsored him because he's one of my doctors right. and one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, but that's my point is that, you know, it's like you want somebody else to pay for it. Right. And I also love the fact that that no matter what the horse looks like, mm-hmm. if they're the fastest and they've got the biggest heart and they want to win, mm-hmm. they win. Yeah. You know, like some of these horse shows, it's all political and who mm-hmm. who hasn't won lately and why right. why is that horse or that dog or whatever prettier than that one? And but you know, it's yeah. just kind of silliness, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I thought there's a clear winner in a race, isn't there? Bingo. There's yeah. a clear winner. Mm-hmm. And it could be the shortest little one out there. It could be the it could be, you know, I mean yeah. you can line them up and go, ooh, that's the prettiest one, and he runs last, you yeah. know, or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh but it's so I, I love I love the competition. Mm-hmm. I uh 
When I was younger, I, I used to race pigeons. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so you're from Europe. I'm from the UK. Yeah, I know that stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, I raised pigeons. And it was funny whenever I transitioned. I mean, obviously, I didn't have pigeons there for a while. Um, but I loved it. It was fascinating. Trying to take two animals uh-huh. and make a better animal. The science of that and the language is almost universal uh-huh. throughout the industry. Trying to take two right. cows and make a better cow. Trying to take two horses and make a better horse. Uh-huh. And so it was funny that when I went over to... Went to some breeders um, conferences in Kentucky when I first got started. You know, I yeah. just wanted to soak up. I wanted to learn, and in the language they use, I thought, "Oh my gosh, that's the same language same. we used in, in in pigeon racing." That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, there, yeah, people yeah. out there going, that, "That's not a thing." No, it's a thing. It's a, it's thing. a legit thing. Yeah, 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 I've seen it. Oh yeah, yeah. So clearly, there's there's a huge passion for animals that that comes from you know back to that carnival you threw at your own house to to my wild you know, cat to, to <laughs> wild, from the wild cat to thoroughbred racehorses uh i mean and, and obviously you've traveled around the world and seen the mm-hmm. animals and and we've got some some beautiful heads on the on the in the oh, office yeah. wall as well that you know yeah. you, you've hunted and killed as well so where i guess does that passion start and then I guess what has been some of your favorite trips to see animals and stuff like that? Um, well, we've got a couple more businesses. We'll have to circle All back right, on yeah, that. Yeah. So before, just a little teaser there for your audience. Um, I went to South Africa with a good friend of mine. Yeah. He was like a spiritual son. And when he was turning 30, I said, hey, within reason, mm-hmm. what, what do you want? And he goes, I want to kill I want to shoot and kill the most dangerous animal in the world. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds like yeah, a, with, a, all right. within reason. <laughs> you did hear that right? <laughs> he was kind of a traveling evangelist, and so yeah. he, he had some favors with people around the world that had hunting these big hunting preserves and hunting gotcha. hunting things. Mm-hmm. And so he said, "Hey, well, my friend said they'll give me a deal on a do. You, do you want to guess what the most dangerous the animal that kills the most?" Hunters in the world. I guess that's how you define the most dangerous. Okay, not when, the most you, animals, but the most hunters in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, naturally, everyone would say a lion, but it's probably not a lion. It's uh, not a lion. Hippo. Hippo's a good guess. It's a kind of hippo-esque. Okay, but it's a Cape buffalo. Okay, and they are whew, yeah. mean. Um, so anyway, they said that uh, when the old bulls get about done, the, the, the herd will kick them out, mm-hmm. and then they're, they don't have maybe a year left to die. And those are those are the best ones to get because they're by themselves. If you try right. to kill one with the herd there, you're in trouble. You're in, yeah. you're in slight minor trouble. Yeah. So we went to South Africa, and that's some of the the mounts you see up here. Yeah. Uh, the kudu, the wildebeest, the the um, uh, gimsbok, mm-hmm. uh, the water buck. Um, anyway, so we went there and it was, it was fast. It was so much fun. It was really a five-star place, uh, and, uh, Zulu hunting preserve in South Africa. And we had just a blast. It was so fun. And it was all business, you know, but it was fun. I mean, they had the best food and we had campfire at night and the stories and, and, uh, We'd be in the truck. You're sitting up high, these special hunting trucks, and they'd be driving around. They had 90,000 acre preserve that they owned and yeah. maintained, and they'd stop and they'd go. And the, the main guide would lean over and go, Oh my God, that is a wonderful specimen. Look over there. We'd yeah. have our binoculars, you know, and I go, What is that? And he goes, Oh, that is a whatever, you whatever, know. Yeah. And I'm looking at it going, Yeah, hmm, I don't know. And he goes, I go, And then I'd go, How much is that? How much is that to shoot it, right? Yeah. He goes, oh, that one's so spectacular. I don't know we've seen one that good before. That's approximately $3,500 US, of course. You know, and I'd be sitting there looking at, you know, I'd be looking at it now and yeah. go, 
Yeah, I'm not feeling that. Yeah, Let's not keep feeling going. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was the game. They drive you around all day long, you know, yeah, trying yeah. to upsell you to you know shoot an animal. It was it's really fun. I enjoyed it, you know. Right. And they're good guys. I mean, they you know. Yeah. Um, but that was that was a fun place mm-hmm. and. You know, people talk about, people have mixed, sometimes mixed emotions about hunting, but you know, we get rid of all the predators out there and there's a little place not too far from here where uh, it's illegal to hunt the deer and they've just overpopulated this region uh, about a mile, uh, about an hour east of here. And now the deer are just almost stunted in their growth. It's, they need to, they need to have better management of of the animals and if you take all the predators away and you take the natural you know ecosystem then we need to step in and, and do the right thing right um but anyway that's a whole people don't get that do they? yeah that, that's that a is, whole other podcast that is definitely a whole other <laughs> podcast for sure that's right uh, so going back then to the other businesses then so i mean how many do you actually have um, that's a good question. We'll count them here in a second. And then I have a, another business, which is really kind of fun. I had a guy shark tank me mm-hmm. he said, Hey, I want to do an, let's do an online business school. Let's mentor millions. Gotcha. Cause I have a group of about half a dozen to 10 guys, um, that are, uh, you know, 20 years younger than me or so mm-hmm. that I mentor in some yeah. capacity or another, you know, their business life, you know, call me up, right. give them time. They have access into my life to do lunches, to come over here, yeah. sit out in my backyard and hang out and, and to talk about what's going on in their mm-hmm. business or their life. And, and, uh, you know, you, your time's limited. You know, I've had to say no to some people, you know, it's crazy, but you know, right. sometimes a young man will come up to you and say, Hey, I'd, I'd like to take your lunch and, and pick yeah. your brain. And, and instead of saying, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's get together and then walk away. I just look at him and say, no, no, I it's not going to happen. Time, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. I, yeah. But so my friend approached me and said, listen, let's do this online business mentoring. Let's find great business people, successful mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. But also that have a good story or, you know, are fun on air or, you know, it's like that teacher in high school. You had that one teacher that was really awesome, even though you didn't like whatever they were whatever, teaching, yeah. but they were just so entertaining and they did such a great job. And you had respect for them that you learned. Right, yeah. right, right. You look yeah. forward to that class. Yeah. So that's what we did. We rounded up some uh, really neat guys. Um, the guy that used to run Disney, uh, uh, Robinson, the NBA all-star guy down in San Antonio. He had a, yeah. he had a heart for education and a heart, you know, had a heart for uh, business. You know, he does academy sports is his entrepreneurship thing that he does. David Robinson, that is the admiral. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we started that. And then that led to, so it was Thrive, it's called Thrive15.com. And they would be in little 15 minutes, little, little sound bites of 15 minutes. Cause yeah. that's kind of your, yeah, yeah. most people that's, you know, after 15 minutes are kind of going, I don't know, yeah. you know? Um, and so we started that and built that up. And then that led to, uh, we had some guys that would, so it was a monthly subscription, right? Kind of like a Netflix. And then we had some people say, no, I need, I need more personalized service. So then we started a coaching, a business coaching deal where we'd have a business coach yeah. take, teach them how to coach. And then they have 10 to 12 clients. We did that. Right. And then that led to a radio show. Um, one of the a radio stations changed hands here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And the guy who approached me, because, you know, I advertise, if not on all of them, on most right. of them throughout my career, they approached me and said, hey, this business thing you've got going on with your Thrive thing, can you do a radio show? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. So Clay, the guy that was kind of Shark Tank me, um, we started a, a radio show yeah. um, that then led to a podcast. And so now we have about 2,500 podcast in the can right. and you know it's a that that's kind of fun so we wanted to you know monetize it like that and then yeah we had business conferences and so now about every couple of months we do a big business conference and of course this last year and a half it's been tough you know when sure. you're people yeah, have their yeah. businesses shut down it's hard to coach them up on you know right 
keep going keep going yeah. you can do it yeah um yeah just try harder yeah um like well, i can't open my business you know you're like sorry yeah. sorry yeah. i can't do anything about that <laughs> it's out of my control yeah exactly so yeah. we kind of did a little bit different twist with the podcast over the last year and a half mm-hmm. but it the heart of it is is how to teach you in, in easy steps um or in steps you can do um the practical steps of how to start and grow a business gotcha. because that's what people need you know you learn by either mentorship or mistakes. Yeah. And I've done both. Mm-hmm. Mentorship is so much better. Yeah. Because so they've already better. made the mistakes, so they're telling yes. you not to make it. Yes, because someone yeah. made it. You just don't want yeah. to be you. You know, I remember when, right. I bought the auto, when I got the auto auction business, the guy that I bought it from said, well, each mistake is going to be about $1,000, and you'll know never to do that again. Yeah. I go, well, what are they? You go, oh, uh, you'll sort yeah. it out. <laughs> Here are the Here's key. the keys. Here's the keys. <laughs> Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see you around, you know? Yeah. And sure enough, I mean, if it wasn't just spot on, I remember the first mistake that made, here was about $1,000 yeah. right on the nut. Yeah. I was like, what that? Hmm. He wasn't joking. He was right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, what about, so, and I, I, I can't remember if you are in the, in, in the cannabis industry or not, but if yes, you are, okay. That's the latest one. Okay. Tell me about that. Cause there's a lot of people listening that see these businesses everywhere. And, and, and I, when you travel, you know, you don't see as many dispensaries in other States as you do in Oklahoma. And, mm-hmm. and it, there's a lot of stigma as well around it. You know, like, I, I don't, I mean, if it makes you better by all means, you know, right. like it's your choice, go ahead. And I you know fat family members and, and, and non family members who do and don't like it. I don't care. It's up to you. But it's just interesting that in the state of Oklahoma, it seems like it's really like it is seems the, 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 to be the business to be in last year. I mean, the last couple of years, it's been thriving and there's dispensaries opening everywhere, as well as I know multiple people on the grow side and they're doing extremely well. Uh, did you just see that opportunity and think, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Let's go for well, it. Well, we saw it coming. My youngest, yeah. uh, Bo, he's uh, mid to late 20s. Uh-huh. He uh, shark take me on it. And first I was like, no, I don't yeah. Uh, I don't want to, you know, because I grew up, it was, it was wrong. And if it right. was wrong, I didn't, you know, yeah, I, if, yeah, if it was yeah. wrong, if it was illegal, I didn't do it. You yeah. know, those are, those are the, those are the potheads over there, you know, behind the buildings over there with that weird right. smoke bellowing from them. Stay away from them. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I mean, I was like, I had no desire, had no knowledge of it. I thought, let me research it. Yeah. Okay. You've shark tongued me. You've made your pitch. Mm-hmm. I get it. Now let me go do my homework. Yeah. And the more homework I did on it, I thought, well, it's almost a crime. It hasn't been legalized. And I right. dug into it. And you look at the big pharma, you look at tobacco, and you look at uh, alcohol, yeah. and they have fought like heck to keep this stuff illegal, right? For a reason. For a reason. I mean, yeah. back in the day in the 1800s, I mean, big tobacco was the, the, mon- the grill in the room, yeah. and they made sure that it was illegal back then. Yeah. I mean, and here we are, you know, Opioids. I don't. I couldn't tell you how many people they're killing a year. I mean, we could probably look it up. Yeah. Alcohol. I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, where to start there? And, and tobacco with cancers. And I mean, just. Oof. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, and the one thing about marijuana that's interesting is that no matter how much you take in a given day, you're never going to kill yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you may fall off a ladder if you're up on a ladder, but it's not the, yeah. the drug is not going to actually kill you. Now, you could take enough pills, mm-hmm. you can take enough alcohol in a given day, and you, you'll kill yourself. Yeah. I mean, alcohol poisoning and opioids. I mean, how many people are this fentanyl and all this stuff? So the more I researched it, researched it and the more I kind of became at ease with it, and, and I thought, well, this is going to be a thing. Yeah, it's yeah, legal yeah. now in the state of Oklahoma and the capacities that it is. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so, uh, and you're right, you know, the opportunities and the business side of it kind of, kind of kicked in a little bit. And so I thought, okay, green light, let's go for it. So we opened Dr. Z's Leaf. We have two dispensaries here in Tulsa. Uh They're very high end. They're very, very nice. Looks like you're in a Las Vegas dispensary or California an LA dispensary. They're very, very nice and clean. Um, you know, we started off the guys all wearing, you know, scrubs and kind of being professional because it's a medical license to get it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started to grow in a processing, so we're vertically integrated, yeah. in, in, um, uh, integrated, and off and running. Now, uh-huh. what's interesting is is that Oklahoma followed the Oregon plan. Okay. And the Oregon plan is is that if you got the money, honey, you get the license. Right. So in Oklahoma, we have nine thousand grow licenses. Mm-hmm. That's. You can't maintain that because you, you can't uh, export the product yet. It can't right. cross state lines legally and you can't import it also. So yeah. all the marijuana that's sold in Oklahoma has to be produced in Oklahoma. Yeah. And and we we are going to have a lot of product and it's going to be unfortunate. And right. every corner or every other corner has a dispensaries and they're that's unsustainable. Yeah. And so even though some people are doing good early early adapters, early ones in. Um, some people are um, um, going to, they're folding Naturally, their tents. Yeah, yeah, it's just the way that it is business. And yeah. and I, I tell someone, someone's asked me the other day about the cannabis business. I said, well, the way I look at it, there was really two two kinds of people in the cannabis business. There was the boomers and the sooners. Yeah. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. The boomers are the one that lined up when they fired off the cannon. That's when they took off. That's yeah. what I am. That's yeah. what I am. You know? And the suitors are the ones that have been doing this a long time. Long time. <laughs> yeah. They stuck across the line right. and, and carved out a little piece of property. Um, and the nice thing about it is, is that um, Bo knew some guys and brought in some, some experts in the how to grow it because there's this whole science behind it. It's fascinating. I, mean, I just thought, heck, it's a plant. Yeah. Water and feed. I mean, right. Put light and water on it. Well, yeah. it's a lot more than that to get the quality that you, gotcha. that really separates you from everybody else. So we had that part of it and then my business acumen. And so that that's how we've been able to be right. successful and make money and hold the line because it's it's getting ready to. Yeah, it has to at some point, doesn't it? It, it has to. Yes, it has yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oregon has 1,000 grow licenses. Wow. And yeah. last year, according to their data, they had to burn a million pounds. Jeez. In other words, they had overproduced that much. Yeah. And how much, and you know, how much. And we have a lot when, of land How much of it went out of Oregon and how, how much of yeah. it, you know, ended up somewhere else. I mean, you know, we don't know. Right. But in Oklahoma and, and uh, um, they, they refer to October as croptober. Have okay. you heard that term before? I haven't, no. Yeah, croptober because all the outside grows and there's a lot of them. Yeah. If people have an acre or two, heck, plant some marijuana. Plant some marijuana, yeah. Uh, they all harvest in October because okay. when the freeze would kill everything, so you yeah, want to be yeah. safe and, har- and harvest. So you have this big croptober, as they okay. call it, and they're getting ready to just flood the... Um, um, industry, you know, in November-ish, yeah. you know, November, December, it gets flooded. And, you know, how many years can we survive that cycle of, you know, the right. prices continue to go down? At some point, you know, people just go, this this isn't yeah, worth, this isn't has, worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, I'm glad you explained that because I don't think, I've had someone on the podcast before that has a store. I don't think they have the grow side as well. Um, but I mean, they were, they were a sooner, for example. They were not someone, <laughs> good, they were not, you know, um, uh, but yeah, they were awesome, and they were they were a friend as well. So, uh, but they come from like the like you said, they 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 were sooner, and they uh, 
Clint, his name is, who's a professional skateboarder. So it's that's his culture, and he swears by it and sworn by it for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a growing business, right? Yeah, and, and we have a sense. lot of great stories on our website. If you go to our website, you can see some of them. We mm-hmm. videotaped them. Um, this one lady, um, she came in and and through a process, she was able to get off her opioids. She was in yeah. chronic pain, and and we've helped her get off her opioids. Which you know, opioids are horrible. You know, yeah. they cause so many bad side effects. Uh, and and other other than they're very addictive, and then you know all the side effects that cause, and and yeah. it's just people don't want to take them, and yet when you have chronic pain, sometimes it's the only thing you can do. Right. And so we've had a lot of great stories on that. Of course, you know you've got a lot of you got yeah. a lot of people that are just wanting to relax, uh, go to sleep, sleep better right. at night. Uh, and so there's different. I, I've learned that there's different types, mm-hmm. and they have different different. Your purposes, yeah, if you yeah, will, yeah. and so it's a it's a it fa- it's a lot more in depth than I thought it was going to be. I just thought right. it was like you know, put a right. plant, plant a plant, plant water it, it, put a light on it, and chop it off, yeah. and sell it. You know, yeah, but it's there's yeah, a lot right. a lot more to it than that. No doubt, and it's like I said, it, it's clearly. I mean, I, I same. I know a lot of people who are uh, who are now sleeping better. They don't have anxiety anymore, and and it wor- sure. it's working. It's yeah. just fighting that stigma, right? That when you grew up, it's like no drugs are bad. Say no to drugs, right? Yeah, um, it's the same thing you probably did after. Prohibition after alcohol yeah. became uh-huh. legal, I'm, I'm sure, because no you know all the gin joints and all the you know speakeasies and all that. It was a very secretive thing yeah, that you yeah, know yeah. how people have the little. I love going going to sometimes and going and seeing an old house, yeah. And then you find this kind of compartment there, and you're like, what this? Where does this? What the heck from? is this? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're the hiding dead bodies in here. What's going on? And yeah, the, yeah. the real estate agent go, no, that's where they hid their alcohol. And a lot of those old homes uh, built in the 20s and whatnot. Right. Um, and I've lived in some of those in, in years yeah. past. Uh, they have this little room, or I mean, this little little little. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. place, but so I feel like it's like that, and I know as generations go go on that um, um, the stigma will will go off less and less and less, yeah, and people yeah. understand that it has a medical purpose, and really, um, you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful that it, it can replace a lot of the opioid addictions, a lot of the opioid stuff, yeah. and even alcohol, alcoholism, um, and you know, and tobacco. I mean. But uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, no that, doubt. You know, yeah, we'll timing's see. everything. Like I yeah. said earlier, right? Right. Um, I mentioned it. We're not going to get to everything, and I think the best way to do that is I probably need to come back and do a part two because there's so much to get to. <laughs> but I got a shout out to to John Snyder for for putting us together. Um, owner of the Mayo Hotel was on a previous podcast, and when I asked him yesterday, um, what do I need to ask Doctor Z, and he said just. Ask him what his experience was when he stayed at the Mayo. So, what was it like for you when you when you're living? Because you lived at the Mayo, right? In, yeah, I lived the at the Mayo. When I and yeah. a lot of people don't know, there's so many apartments there. People just think it's a hotel. Yeah, there's about I think there's a, about a hundred hotel yeah. rooms, about a hundred apartments mm-hmm. there, and it, it was a, an experience for me. Here I am. I'm 52 years old when I moved when I moved in there. Yeah, and it's the first time in my life I'd ever lived alone. Now, that's a crazy statement, right? So I'm like, oh man, yeah, and. Um, um, I hope that noise isn't too loud on the podcast. <laughs> Someone's moving something upstairs. Yeah, no, right? well, that's okay. Yeah. They're putting in a new air conditioning oh, furnace air unit, so yeah. that's a part of the house. I bet that's what it is. Um, it was fabulous. It was fun. I mean, it was uh, it was kind of funny when I moved in. Some of the tenants that were already there, I knew already. I didn't know they lived there, but I, I knew them. I knew like, hey, them, yeah. hey. But it was um, 
kind of surreal. It was a, you know, you're living in this posh, swanky uh, hotel yeah. and you, know, you have all the amenities of that, uh, you know, room service and, and dry cleaning service and, you know, uh, yeah. valet parking and, and, you know, all these kind of things that, that are unique to a hotel right. uh, and you have them, you know. I had a really cool room. It was a two-story room and, and it looked out over the Arkansas River um, and it was, uh, it was charming, you know. It was, yeah. it was, a, lot, it was a lot of fun and, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where um, I'm glad I did it, but, you know, I'm so used to living in a home and, you know, having some space. Right. And so I was glad. It was a, it was a good season. Mm-hmm. And one I'd recommend to anybody that's needing a place to live for for a while, yeah. you know, because everything's kind of a, it's all right there. You know, there's a workout right. room. I mean, you have a little gym in there. You know, you have Starbucks a, down downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a little coffee shop and a restaurant downstairs, mm-hmm. and all the people there are just very kind and very nice. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet a lot of great people, like John Snyder. You know, we got to be buddies. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was charming. They have a rooftop bar up on the top, you know. And it was it was funny. John was telling me a story that you two and their latest um, concert tour, mm-hmm. they actually stayed there. So I got to see the guys around the, you know, they'd be there. I'd get right. selfies with them. I mean, it was kind of crazy. But they were practicing at the BOK Center. Uh-huh. Um to do start their tours and then they did the first yeah. production there in Tulsa and they kicked off around the world. Uh, and they said that they stayed there for one reason. You yeah. want to guess what that reason is? I mean, I know it's close to the BOK. I, sh- I assume it's yeah, not it's close that. to the BOK, yeah. but that had nothing really to do with it. Right. It was because Elvis Presley would stay there when he would come to Tulsa. The okay. few times he came to Tulsa to perform, he, he chose the yeah, mail to yeah, stay. Yeah. And that rooftop bar, that was actually a room. It was the penthouse room. Okay. And that's where he would stay. Interesting. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I guess yeah. Bono's a big Elvis fan, I guess. Sure. And uh, I didn't really talk to him about it. But, right, uh, yeah. Um, but he was there. That's great. Yeah. So know. you have things like that that are kind of, just kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you walk out the front door and there's a big crowd of people with cameras and signs and you're kind of going... It's not for me. Yeah, that, yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they're not. They're, my name wasn't on the side. Yeah, it's all yeah, YouTube yeah. stuff and this and that, and right. seeing the guys come and go, and That's uh, awesome. just try to be normal, normal guys as much as you not know. Not trying to fat girl out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess last thing then. Obviously, you know, your mind's always turning. You you got so many businesses going, which I know we didn't get to a lot, but I'd love to come back and and, and push on those a bit more as well at a different date, but. What are, what are you into right now? What's kind of piquing your interest at the moment? You know, what are you Googling? What are you looking at? Um, just kind of like the, uh, this current moment in time. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I, um, what am I really thinking about? I'm, I'm kind of re-getting, I kind of scaled back my horse business quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now I'm kind of getting reinvigorated into that. So now I'm kind of building the herd back up, as they say. Yeah. Uh, so that's been something that's been taking taking some of my time. I, um, as far as business ideas go, maybe maybe the next podcast I'll tell you yeah. about some some great right. business ideas I've got cooking that I'm looking forward to doing. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, you you just always trying to build a better mousetrap too. That's one of the things that I do. You know, you always have to look to that lens when you're in your own business. You know, how does it look? How does it smell? How does it sound? Go through your five senses. You know, yeah. and really keep trying to make a better a better mousetrap. Technology changes, and you got to compete against it. You know, and so. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the old internet, the old WWW internet, thanks yeah. Al Gore, uh, really changed things did, in yeah. business um, in, in general. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that you do. You always, you never want to slip, you know, you never, you want to inspect what you expect yeah. and just always kind of be fine tuning and, and looking at things. So yeah. 
we'll have to touch on those in the next podcast then uh thanks so much for having me at the house this is awesome uh thanks so much for sharing we're uh, we're almost at an hour and i know it goes by really oh, wow. fast just, just it goes by started. super fast yeah. um but yeah really thank you know really appreciate you for having me over and to talk about you know some of the businesses uh people listening probably if they're from tulsa they already know most of the businesses that you have um but i'm sure there's little nuggets in here that, that people can take away um you know just just when you're young right working more you know unless you're unhappy then obviously be, happiness is is paramount but you have the option to work more you know um there's plenty of mentors out there find a mentor uh, if you like horses reach out because you know what to do with the horses <laughs> and if you want a car same thing too so um thanks so much uh, for everyone listening i'll post the links to all of dr zola's podcasts uh sorry, sorry not podcasts um businesses websites all the rest of it in the description so you can go click on those and yeah thanks so much we'll catch you next episode cheers this podcast is presented by the oklahoma hall of fame telling oklahoma story through its people since 1927 for more information on the hall of fame go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on instagram for daily updates at oklahoma hof thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.